Come on, let's give Jesus some praise. Come on, keep it as hot as possible. Thank you. Come on, let's just spend a moment. I just want you to dust off everything you've been going through this week and today and say, God, when I come into the house of God, I'm going to give you the best praise I could possibly give you. I'm not going to give you a 10%, 30%, 70%, 50%, but I'm going to praise you like i never going to be able to praise you again. I'm going to praise you like today's the last day I'll ever get to praise you. I'm going to praise you and I'm going to shout and I'm going to dance like there's a city that's depending on my praise, like there are people depending on my shout. And if I don't feel like praising for me, I'm going to praise for somebody else. I'm going to praise for my kids that are still strung out. I'm going to praise for my wife that doesn't want to come on, help me, Holy Ghost, that doesn't want to come to church. I'm going to praise for a community that they say will never get off drugs, that they say that gangs will never be resolved. But I serve a God that could do the impossible. Come on, brother, as much as you could give me. The Bible says he's the same yesterday today and forever and if he did it then he could do it again David said let all that I am praise the Lord let me never forget the good that you've done for me thank you guys so much give it up for the worship team come on let's give them a praise come on we don't need music we don't need someone to hype us up we could praise God on our own I'm telling you I don't want to get casual with the anointing of God I don't want to get casual with the presence of God. I want to keep the fire. I want to be at the edge of my seat saying, God, whatever you want to do, you could do it on the inside of me. Whatever you want to do in my mind, whatever you want to do in my heart, I'm not going to get comfortable. Keep it up, brother. I'm not going to get casual, but I'm going to be desperate, and I'm going to be hungry. You could take your seat, but stay standing on the inside. I have to have you take your seat because if not, I'll never get to the message and I'll just keep shouting and screaming like I'll probably do for the next 30 to 40 minutes. But friend, there's something interesting about David. David said, let every part of me praise. In other words, I'm not just going to lift up one hand. I'm not just going to sing a little bit. I'm not just going to praise a little bit, but I'm going to praise with all of me. Why? Is it necessary to praise that way? Does everybody have to be excited that way? Does everybody have to shout that way? You don't have to shout. You don't have to scream. We don't praise this way because we have to. We praise this way because what he's done for us. Because there was a time where I should have been dead, where I was addicted, where I was hurting, where I was lost. And the God that we're talking about, I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about apathetic Christianity. I'm not talking about complacent, Americanized Western faith. I'm talking about the God of the Bible that came into our lives and broke every shackle and broke every chain and delivered us. Come on, brother, more if you can. Delivered us from the hands of Satan. And that's why every time I get up here, I'm tempted to be silent. I'm tempted not to praise. But when I remember what God has done in my life, when I remember how he healed me, how he delivered me, how he broke my chains, it makes me want to shout. It makes me want to praise. The same way you get excited when your favorite quarterback throws the pass is how we should be excited in the presence and house of God. Let me say it this way. You can write this down. There is zero excuses as to why you shouldn't be praising. 
I'm just not one of those type of people. Every single one of us are those type of people. It's just not about the things of God. How do you know? Because so many places I travel, I see people an hour and a half into the service, and the entire time they're staring at their watch. And the same people I used to party with are wondering, why do we have to have service so long? Yet many of you were barely doing your makeup right now, barely getting started to go out to the club. And I don't understand that if we could work hard in Egypt, if we could be excited in the world, if they could turn up in the club, why can't we turn up in the church? If they could shout at the bar, why can't we shout at the revival? You hear me, Hayward? There is coming a day where there will be a church that rises up in the earth that is so passionate, that is so excited, that is so dedicated, that is so radical, that people from the world will actually want to be like us. I just don't know why no one wants to be Christian. We're all radical when we're in the world. Some of you guys, you are so tough until you got to the men's home. So-and-so is offending me. Barstool's knocked over your head, and you weren't offended at the club. And now that you're in the house of God, I just don't know why that preacher has to shout. And my ears are hurting. Gunshots going off, but your ears weren't hurting. And now you're in the house of God, and you're complaining. You were at the club. There was a speaker nine times the size of that speaker, and you were standing right in front of it until your brain rattled. And then we come to the house of God. But God is not looking for pansies. He's not looking to make you soft. He's just looking to bring you into his army and to fight his battle we're not raising a bunch of babies we're not raising up a nursery we are looking for soldiers in the army of Christ that would need to sit around and wait for someone to clean their mess but would take a stand and say there is another level of Christianity and I refuse to be the one that Jesus passes by How many people has Jesus walked past in this very room that have missed the anointing, have missed the call of God, have missed the plan of God because we were too busy thinking about what we're going to eat after. We were too busy worried about our schedules, worried about we'll spend 50 hours a week at work to pay for the house we can't afford. And then we wonder, we don't come to prayer, we don't show up and fast, we don't give in the offering and we say, oh God, we serve you. And Jesus told the Pharisees, you serve me with your mouth, but your hearts are far from me. There has to come a day where we don't just talk about it, but we actually walk it out, where we don't just talk one day I'm going to get radical, and one day I'm going to be excited, and one day I'm going to get but God says today is the day today is the day to be excited today is the day to be radical, why are we waiting around, you spent all of last year waiting for that right moment where someone would prophesy over you One day the pastor is going to get up there and prophesy. Friend, you don't need a prophetic word. You got the word of God. You can open up the Bible and you can read it out loud. But some of you have forgotten where God has brought you from. And you've gotten too comfortable. And you've gotten too casual. And you've gotten too churchy. See, the writer of Hebrews says the problem with the church is you've been believers for too long. And by now you ought to be teachers. It was people that were getting fed but weren't bringing what they had out into the community and he said you just come to church and you're just eating and eating and eating and you're spiritually overweight and you wonder why after 15 minutes you can't run the race after 15 minutes you're bored at the altar call after an hour in church you're wondering when it's been over it's your spiritual endurance we are spiritually overweight because we're taking in the word but not exercising our faith there is no one in this room that would be dumb enough to to go to the gym for a year, watch other people work out, and expect to get in shape. 
He says, yeah, that's just foolishness, yet we do it every single Sunday at church. We come and watch other people get excited. Other people worship God. Other people preach the word. Other people have a prayer life. And God is saying in these three-day revival that I'm talking right to you. I'm not preaching. I wish I would have brought so-and-so. They really need to hear this. I'm not preaching to so-and-so sister cousin that you didn't bring. I'm talking directly to you. I'm saying there are some of you that need the fire of God. Let me come down here for you. That need the fire of God back. There are some of you that have lost your first love. That have lost your flame that have lost your passion and God is trying to resurrect your faith. He's trying to resurrect your passion. He's trying to bring you back to when you actually shared your faith. When you couldn't shut up about God. When you couldn't stop talking about how good he was in your life. How he saved you. How he delivered you. How were you on drugs and now he broke your addiction and now because we've been in church for a while. Because we have a nice button up in a suit. Because we know a couple verses. We allow that to take our fire. That should not take your fire. That should ignite your fire. I should be more passionate. Come on. Am I in the right place tonight? Come on, brother. Help me on this mic. I should be more passionate now than I was 10 years ago. I should be more passionate now than I was a month ago. I should be more passionate now than I was a week ago. He says, I'm going to take you from glory to to glory to glory and I'm not waiting till you get it right to do it one day I'm going to get it right. No, you're not going to get it right one day. You're going to get it right when you make a decision that even if I don't feel like shouting, even if I don't feel like praising, I'm not here to be mean, but I've yet to meet a nice alarm clock. It's like, why do you have to be so mean? Because there's people in the American church sound asleep and petting them and saying, wake up. God loves you. God wants to pour out his grace on you. God's wearing a little Daisy Jesus rainbow banner, and he's coming back to die again. Friend, you've been lied to. He's not coming back to die again. There is a real man, the book of Revelation says, that is coming back on a war horse with an iron scepter. Come on, you're really making me preach tonight. That's going to declare war on the nations. We are not serving a weak mamsy pansy Jesus. People go, oh, being a Christian is for the weak. Really? Have you actually tried to cast out devils? Have you actually prayed for the sick? This is not for the meek or for the weak. This is for those that want to be in the army of God, that want to fight the battle. There is a real spiritual battle that is happening all around us, and the American church is sound asleep. I was watching a documentary, and they were training Green Berets, and the guy in the documentary broke his leg, and there was a bone sticking out of his leg. They were about to start a 25-mile journey in the middle of the night. They had not slept for over 20 hours, and the sergeant, after the guy breaks his leg, falls into a ditch, says, get up and finish the 25 miles. And after they interviewed this guy who was training the most elite soldiers in the Army, if you want to just be a paperwork soldier, and if you just want to sit in boot camp your whole life like the rest of the American church, you can. But I was born to fight. I was born for battle, and I'm not going to sit on the sidelines while every Everybody else goes and battles for me. See, Moses told Reuben and Cad, he said, you want to stay where it's comfortable when God has called us to cross over the Jordan and to fight the battle? He says, are you going to sit around and watch while everybody else fights? Some of you are sitting around while everybody else prays for your kids, while everybody else ties, while everybody else comes to the prayer gathering, and you've let somebody else carry your cross for far too long. But God is saying it's time to get out of the ditch, and it's time to march the march, and it's time to walk 
walk the walk. It's time to begin to put all that we're preaching, all that we're singing, all that we're learning into action. Faith is an action verb. God is looking for action in the body of Christ. The Bible says do not merely love in word and in tongue, but deed and in action. He says if you say you're of the faith, but you live in spiritual darkness, you are a liar. You could come to church all you want and invite Jesus into your heart every single weekend, but if you're living your life in darkness, the only one you're fooling is you. Oh, I'm a Christian. Is that really what your Netflix account would say if I looked at it tonight? I'm a Christian. Let us plug in your iPhone and play the first song that comes on and shuffle over these loudspeakers and see how embarrassed so many of us would be if we went on our, our, our safari history, if we went on our Internet Explorer history, if we looked at what you've been searching, what you've been thinking about, what you've been doing, and some of us are scared just thinking about it. Yet the God of this universe, he looks down and says, I'm trying to raise you up so that you could fight the battle. I'm not trying to raise up weak believers. I'm not trying to raise up anemic believers. I'm trying to raise of soldiers and the army of God. It's time to mobilize to take the city back from the devil. The devil is not afraid of us falling over. He's afraid of us changing. He's not afraid of us gathering. He's afraid of us fighting. And God is looking for people that would push back on the kingdom of darkness. That would begin to fight for their family. Begin to fight for their community. Begin to bind demons. Begin to loose healing. And say, I'm not going to read another book about it, but I'm going to do it. I've had enough teaching. It's time for demonstration. We have more seeds than any generation and less fruit than any generation. You could go on YouTube and watch the best preaching, and all we want is someone to tickle my ears and someone to be nice. The Bible says there's coming a day where men will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will want a part of the Bible. They won't want the whole sum of what the Word of God says. Friend, I'm telling you, marriage is still between a man and a woman, and there is still a narrow road, and there still is a heaven and a hell. It doesn't matter what these TV preachers are saying. It doesn't matter the status quo of the American church. There is still a road that God wants us to walk on where he requires holiness. He requires passion. He doesn't ask us if we feel like praising. He says, if you don't praise, the rocks will praise. He's not asking us if we feel like praying for people. He says, I've given you my spirit so that you can reach this city. He's not asking us if we want to pray for the homeless and reach the poor and reach the drug addicts. He says, Abraham, I bless you so that you could bless the nations. This thing is for you, but it's not about you. This kingdom is about this world that is dying and going to hell and we have the answer to every question we have the solution to every problem and so many of us are being silent about it but it's time to open up our mouths and let the world know that our God is alive that our God is active that he has power to heal he has power to save and we're not playing Christianity tell people I want you to leave all your drugs Leave all your drinking. I'm just getting into my interest. Just stay with me. Leave all your heroin. Leave all. Okay, what are we going to do? We're going to go to church on Sunday. 
I want you to imagine the 12 disciples who are having lucrative jobs that were living their lives in Matthew chapter 9, doing whatever they wanted to do. Many of them were successful. Many of them were educated. And Jesus came to these men that were making money, that were comfortable with life, that did not need a new plan, that did not need everything. And Jesus says, I want you to leave everything. And Peter and Matthew and John and Jen, and they all begin to ask him, what are we going to do? Can you imagine Jesus coming up to men and asking them to leave everything they have? Not nicely. Remember, like the the general in the army who told the guy interviewing him and said, listen, the reason I'm so hard on these guys is because they're going to go into a real war after boot camp and I have to prepare them correctly for the war that they're going into. See, we have not been properly equipped for the spiritual battle. We are walking out to work every single day without the army of God, armor of God. Paul says to put on the full armor of God to withstand the strategies of the devil. Here's the picture that Paul paints for us. He says there is a room in hell where they strategize how to ruin your marriage, where the demons strategize how to addict your children, where the demons strategize how to get you out of the house of God and they're in there planning and you are so ignorant and you are so not aware of what the enemy's planning. He said, so when you put on the armor, you're able to withstand the assignments and the attack the enemy sends at you. Will there be attack? Yes. Will there be a battle? Yes. But God is raising up people that would put the armor of God on. Why do we need, why don't we even preach or wear the armor of God? Because you don't need armor unless you're going to battle. I'm like, hey, honey, I'm going to the store. I'm going to go put my bulletproof vest on to go get some groceries. Why would you put it on? You're not going to war. Why does the American church not put the armor on? Because we're not going to battle. Why are we not putting on the bread? Why are we not putting on the helmet? Why are we not wearing the sword? Why are we not? Why do most of us not even know the scripture in the American church? Because we're not fighting the battle, so we don't need the word. Remember when the devil came to Jesus, Jesus didn't respond. Well, I heard Joel Osteen say this, and I heard Rick Warren say this, and I heard the new book Bill Johnson wrote say this. He said, it is written, but you can't fight if you don't know it's written. So many of us wouldn't be able to even say it's written because we don't know what comes after that sentence because we've never read the word. We don't study scripture because our Bible sits on a shelf somewhere and I don't do that. Well, praise God. If the shoe doesn't fit, then don't wear it. Just say amen. But there are so many of us that have neglected the very weapon that God has given us to be able to fight the enemy. The very weapon that God has given us to battle darkness. And Jesus knew this when he came to the disciples. He said, understand, you can't just live your life off of bread and off of meal. He said, but you have to live your life by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. I have to live by revelation, not hand-me-down revelation, not second-hand revelation, but I got to get in my word, and I got to study the scriptures. I wish there was a, this was popular tonight. I got to study the scriptures. I have to put time and effort in so that when the enemy comes, I know how to respond, or I could spend the rest of my life being a punching bag for the enemy and using the excuse, well, one day people are going to want to hear about God. And I don't witness because nobody wants to hear it. You know, you don't witness because you're lazy and because you lost your real connection and intimacy with the Holy Spirit. Every single person, I want you to hear me, in this city wants to hear about God. Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Here's what Jesus said. Stop blaming the city of Hayward and look yourself in the mirror and say, maybe the Hayward is not the issue. Maybe I'm the issue. Because the harvest, there are plenty. He says, but who will be a laborer? 
who will go, come on, if you could, you could shout, I'm sweating way more than any of you in this room. He said, who will go forth into the highways and the byways and preach this gospel? Who will be laborers that will go out and will work the field? It's going to take sweat. It's going to take passion. It's going to take effort. It's going to take you getting up off your tail. It might not be nice all the time, but I got to put some work in because this is not about me. This is about the nations of the earth. And Jesus knew this when he chose his disciples. He didn't choose religious people. Let me say that one more time at Victory Outreach. Hayward. When Jesus chose his disciples, he did not go to the school of prophets. Imagine your imagine your boss saying, I want you to find me someone. I want to employ them for the highest position in our entire company. We're a Fortune 500 company. We're a massive company. And I want to hire 12 people for the highest positions in the entire company. I don't want you to hire. I don't want you to go get anyone that has a degree. I don't want you to get anyone that has knowledge in this field. I don't want you to know anyone that knows the tech industry. I want you to go to the streets and find the most uneducated. I want you to go find those that don't know the job that don't know nothing about religion and I want you to go find them every single one of us would say that is horrible business tactics and that's true it is but you have to understand that we are living in an upside down kingdom a kingdom where he doesn't come to mega church pastors when he wants to pour out his anointing he comes to drug addicts on the corner he doesn't come to prophets he comes to prostitutes we are living in an hour and let me just prophesy for a second where the leaders of this next move of God will not be those that graduate seminary but will be those he finds in the cemetery will not be those that are educated but those that are addicted where he's going to pull the drug addicts I wish somebody that had a testimony would just testify right now he's going to pull the drug addicts he's going to pull the prostitutes he's going to pull the alcoholics he's going to pull those that hate him all the atheists and he's going to bring them and he's going to anoint them and he's going to call them and he's not going to ask your permission before he does it. The Bible says the kingdom is like a man who prepares a banquet and sends out an invite. Guess what? Just because you're not willing to be a part of this move of God doesn't mean it's not going to happen. I want to invite you to my wedding. When you write me back saying you're not going to be able to attend my wedding, I don't respond with another letter saying, well, the wedding's canceled because you're not showing up. Yet some of you think you're that important to God. If I don't be involved, that's not going to happen, and they'll never prod, they'll never. We'll do everything God wants us to do with or without you because we've already sent the invite, and the banquet's not getting canceled. The problem is you're going to miss it because one guy says, oh, I just got a wife. Another guy says, I have an oxen. Another guy says, I have a new job. Don't let the pleasures of life stop you from the revival that God wants to do in your life, but get this invite that I'm giving you tonight saying you could be a part of the greatest move of God that the nation has ever seen, and I'm not going to live my life normal. When I gave up drinking and drugs and partying and everything I gave up for God, I didn't do it to join church on Sunday. I didn't do it to join a religious club. I didn't do it to join a social club. I said yes to an army that was raising up in the earth that was going to usher in the second coming. Oh, help me tonight Holy Ghost. I said yes to casting out devils. I said yes to healing the sick. I said yes to raising the dead. I said yes to blind eyes opening. I said yes to preaching the gospel. I said yes to going into other nations. I didn't say yes to patty cake and prophesy over the same people. But I'm longing for a revival that would shake this community. I am longing for a revival that would so impact culture. It's going to sound crazy. Lost people would get saved because I gotta be honest 
I'm tired of preaching to the same Christians every single week. Pastor, can I meet with you? I'm trying to be nice as possible and still wake you up at the same time. Yeah, what do you want to talk about? Let me guess you. Well, brother, I'm just really struggling again. I know you have been for the last 10 years. Let me guess what you're dealing with. Oh, how'd you know? Because you've been in my office every single month for six years, and you're still dealing with the same demons. You haven't brought anybody. You haven't shared your faith with anybody. You haven't prayed for anybody. Guys, there has to come a time where we realize that the gospel is more than just to make our lives better and to enhance our compromise. But the gospel is to go into darkness. He didn't put the light inside of us so we could play flashlight tag and see who's more saltier. But he put the light on the inside of us so it could shine in darkness so we could go into this city and we could see his light shine. The Bible says he came to Matthew in Matthew 9 at Matthew's tax collector booth and the Bible says and he told Matthew to arise or to get up and Matthew left everything he had. He got up to follow Jesus. What was it about Jesus that caused this man to leave everything? What was it about Jesus that caused this man to quit his job to give up his career and to leave his family. The Jesus that you have, is it attractive to the Matthews? It is it attractive to unbelievers? Do people look at you and say, wow, I want to give up everything to follow what you have? The highlight of our Christian life, if we could be honest tonight, I didn't, I didn't come with the intention to be mean, I came with the intention to wake people up, is the fact that we invite people to church on Sunday. And we feel so good about the fact that Jesus died on a cross, shed royal blood, left eternity to enter humanity so that we could give someone a fire and say, well, you should come to my church. When Jesus said, I'm not trying to get you to bring people to church. I'm trying to get you to bring church to people. I'm trying to get you to not just go to church, but become the church. See, we've changed the wording of scripture, and now churches are buildings instead of people. But in the Bible, the churches was an ecclesia. It was people that were been called out of darkness and were brought into light. This building is not the church. It's just where we gather. We are the church of Jesus Christ. The message of the gospel is portable like your iPhone. And everywhere you bring your iPhone, you could bring the gospel. It's living on the inside of you. And Matthew was sitting there. Jesus didn't invite Matthew to church. Jesus didn't say, Matthew, get it together. Even though Matthew had turned his back on religion, he had begun to work for Rome and cheat the Jews, which were his people. And Jesus, the Bible says, went to his tax collecting booth. He met Matthew where he was at. I remember the moment that Jesus met me in my sin. I remember the moment. Come on, can someone get a flashback and remember where you were when this man came to your booth and said, I want you to follow me. I want to use you. I want to anoint you. Come on tonight, Holy Ghost. I want to anoint you. I want to empower you. And he called you and he didn't wait for you to get it right before he anointed you. Yet now that you're saved, you expect everyone else around you to be perfect so they could come to church. Oh, sister, so and so. What would happen if you started praying for those family members as much as you gossip about those family members? And the greatest gossip in the church is called prayer requests. Did you hear about what happened to so-and-so? And you're about to let the devil use your mouth and gossip about somebody in the name of God. So-and-so's going through this, and she happened to this, and she was at the bar, and this, and we just really, and at the end of your 45-minute gossip session that didn't do anything but advance the kingdom of darkness, you add this onto it, and we just really need to pray for her. You're not praying for her. You're praying on her. And God says, at what point are we going to realize that he wants to meet people in their sin? He wants to meet people in their darkness. How do you know? Because six years ago, the audible voice of God came to me, and said, Isaiah, I want you 
to leave everything you have. I want you to leave your job. I want you to leave your girlfriend. I want you to leave everything, all of your friends. And I was cussing at God. I said, I don't effing believe in you. And the audible voice came to me. God didn't wait till I was all cleaned up and finished with Bible college. Did I go to Bible college? Yes, I got a bachelor's. Praise God. Yes, I believe in Bible college. But here's what I'm trying to say. God is looking to anoint people that are hurting and broken. And if we keep judging the world, if we keep saying they're not good enough, then we will miss the very people God wants us to reach. God is looking for victory outreach to go back to the roots and say, it's about the streets. This thing was birthed in the heart of a man who said, we have to reach every gang member. We have to reach every drug addict. We have to reach every prostitute. We started out saying, we're going to reach what no other church wants to reach. We're going to reach the untouchables. We're going to reach those that are hurting, those that are in pain. And somewhere down the line, I'm not saying in this church, but we've turned the church into a place that's about enhancing us instead of about empowering us. We've turned the church into a place that's more about babysitting than about equipping. And we sit around in our offices instead of prayer rooms and say, how could we entertain them for two hours? Got an hour, hour and a half to kill. And we do what I call throwaway services. We have services because we're supposed to have service because it's Sunday, because it's Monday. But when will, what will happen if we came into the house of God and we didn't need 45 minutes to prime the pump and to get you ready, but you walked in saying, I've been praying all week. I've been studying all week. I've been reading all week. I've been excited all week. And I'm going to come to the house of God ready to fight. I'm going to come to the house of God ready to shout. I don't need someone up there getting me to shout. I've been shouting all week. I didn't lose my voice in church. I lost my voice in my bedroom. When I was calling upon God, where I was singing to God, God is longing to reach the Matthews, meet them in their sin, and say, follow me. And when he says it, listen, guys, there's not an American church, follow me. Well, we're not in Africa, so what does follow me? Pray a prayer, invite Jesus to build something in my heart, and then I'm just going to live my life like the devil and never. Guys, I'm talking about giving everything. So many people are not excited about God because they've never encountered God because they've never given up everything. And just because you change your Facebook status, just because you say you're a Christian, it doesn't make you a Christian. I could get up here and say I'm a medical doctor. It doesn't make me a medical doctor. There are prerequisites to being a medical doctor, and there are prerequisites to being a true believer. And I think tonight the Holy Spirit brought me to tell someone that you maybe think that you're a believer. You might have convinced yourself as a Christian, but God is saying, are you really a follower, not just a fan? Are you really a believer? Do you really have a prayer life? Do you really study the Word of God? Is there a passion? Is there a desperation for revival and a move of God? Is there real fruit happening in your life? said, and many will stand before me, quoting the word, and say, did we not prophesy? Did we not do miracles? Even the elect and signs and wonders. And here's what he's going to say. Depart from me. I never had a relationship with you. It goes far beyond just coming to church and just meeting the quota. It comes to a place where you say, Jesus, I'm going to spend more time with you than I do Netflix. I'm going to spend more time with you in your book than in Facebook. I'm going to spend more time. I'd rather you like me than get 100 likes on my Instagram post. I'm going to live my life for you every single day. People say, oh, is God all you talk about? There's nothing else in this world that is worth talking about 
There is, I'm talking about another level of Christianity where you say tonight I'm willing to leave everything and to follow Jesus. I'm talking about revival lifestyle where it's not something you do once a week, but every single day you are walking in the power and the unction of the Holy Ghost and God begins to use you in Hayward, California and signs and wonders and miracles, the Bible says in the book of Mark chapter 16, verse 17, shall follow them that believe. I don't want to live my life on the edges of religion thinking I'm a sheep when I'm really a goat. First thing that Matthew does, watch. I got three nights, so I'm not going to, I got lots to say and I don't got, I got three nights, praise God. Here's the first thing, and I want to challenge you tomorrow night. Don't stay home. There's nothing more important. Here's what David said, one of the greatest men in the Bible. He said, here's my one wish and my one desire to spend every single day in the house of the Lord. See, back in the old school, every time the church was open, my parents tell me stories about all-night prayer meetings and Victory Outreach San Jose. I'm not seeing this happening so much in the American church. There was a day where every time the church opened, you were there. Every time the building was open, you were there. And I want to tell you, if you would commit the next three or four days to the house of God, I believe tonight, we are just breaking into the move of God that God wants to do. I believe some of you 10 years later are going to look back to 2017 January and say there was a revival in a church in Hayward called Victory Outreach and something happened on the inside of me. Something changed on the inside of me when I got up out of my tax collector's booth and I followed Jesus and I never turned back. I've been following him for 10 years. Well, maybe tonight you need to get up and say yes again. Maybe tonight you've been getting casual. You've been getting complacent. And you need to sign up again and say, Jesus, I need your fire. I need your passion. I need your anointing. I need your grace. I haven't been praying for the sick. I haven't been raising the dead. I haven't been casting out devils. I haven't been doing what you've called me to do. So tonight I'm longing for a fresh touch. Listen, Isaiah Saldivar and I'm saying, God, I need you afresh. I need a fresh anointing. I need a fresh touch. I can't leave the same. If you walk out the same way you walked in, that's only on you. Because you could choose to be like Matthew and say, I'm going to get up and I'm going to leave everything I have. Or you could be like the rich young ruler that says, I want religion but no relationship with Jesus. I just am looking for a Jesus that would just save me. A fire escape type of Jesus that I could just pull the thing when everything goes south and that one day I'm going to go to heaven. Friend, the Bible says that you may go to heaven and you may barely escape the flames of judgment, but there will be no reward for you when you get there. And everything you've lived your life for and everything you've done will amount to a pile of dust. I want to live my life for eternity. I want to do what's eternal and what matters. I don't want to live a carnal American Christian life where I just gather once a week, but I want to burn with the fire and the passion of God, and I want to reach the lost. I want to pray for the sick. I want to follow Jesus. I want to give up everything, not just a part of me, but all of me. The Bible says when the man finds the treasure in the field, he sells everything he has to get the treasure. So here's my question for you tonight. Have you sold everything to follow this man? Because we can't go into revival if we haven't 
haven't first said yes to everything, if we haven't first died to ourselves, if we haven't let go of our life, there is a prerequisite, and it's this, to let go of your life and to grab onto Jesus, to say every desire, every ambition, every secret sin, every compromise, I'm getting rid of it tonight. I want the next three days. I want the fire of God. I want the passion of God. And fire only falls on sacrifice. And worship goes beyond just repeating songs off of a PowerPoint. First time we ever see worship is Abraham. God says, Abraham, I want you to go kill your son. I want you to get rid of what you love the most. I want you to ask you right, ask you right now, what is the most important thing you can think of right now in your life that you don't want to leave? And God says, and that's what I want you to get rid of. And the first time we ever see now, I'm not going to get into it because we'll go deeper tomorrow. But the principle of first message in systematic theology is this. Anytime you see something mentioned the first time in the Bible, it will hold a precedence for the rest of the Bible. In other words, whenever you see a word in the Bible, it will mean that for the rest of the scripture, God does not go back on his word, and God definitely does not contradict himself. And we've turned worship into just singing three fast songs and two slow songs. But if we look back to Abraham, who was looking at his son Isaac, the promise that God had given him, God said, I want you to go sacrifice that thing I've given you. And Abraham said, let us then go worship. It's the first time we've ever seen worship in the entire Bible. And it was not just singing some songs. It was not just coming and lifting our hands. It was not just repeating a couple words. But it was giving up what meant most to you. It was killing something. It was sacrificing something. And on the way to sacrifice Isaac, Isaac begins to talk Abraham out of it. He says, where's the sacrifice? What are you going to do? See, your sacrifice will always try to talk you out of killing it. Whatever God has told you to give up tonight... There will be excuses in your mind. Well, maybe God didn't really mean to kill it. And maybe God really didn't want me to get rid of that boyfriend. And maybe God didn't really want me to get rid of that girlfriend. And maybe God really doesn't want me to delete my Facebook because I'm addicted to it. And maybe God doesn't really want me to stop watching those ungodly movies and listening to that ungodly music and opening up portals for demons to come into my life. But tonight, God is saying, would you get up out of your sin? And would you follow me? Would you get rid of your compromise? Would if I could get my brother in the band up, that'd be awesome. Would you get rid of every compromise that has been stopping you from reaching the lost? I'm not talking about stopping you from coming to church. I'm not talking about stopping you from singing some songs. I'm saying what has been stopping you from reaching the people that God wants you to reach? What has been stopping you from getting into your word and from getting into prayer? See, because sin will keep you from the word, but the word will keep you from sin. And if you keep the word in your heart, if you keep the word in your life, you'll be like Matthew and say, I'm leaving everything without hesitation. Here's what we've done in the church. We've actually taught you using scripture how to not leave everything and still become a Christian. Well, the Bible says the grace of God is there. So if you still want your movies, if you still want your music, if you still want all your ungodly idols, you can have those and then you can just add Jesus on Sunday morning. Yeah, he says there will be many Christians that what? Confess with their mouth, I'm the Lord of their life, but not live like I'm the Lord of their life. And they'll go straight to hell. Let me tell you this, friend. The people that he says don't know me, they don't go to the back alley of heaven and mow Joel Osteen's lawn for all of eternity. Are you hearing me? They don't get like a second class heaven. They go to hell. Do you understand? He's talking about Christians. And one day I was reading that because I like reading the scriptures that nobody preaches on because I'm weird. And I was reading that I was going... Wow, this is insane. And God said, Isaiah, you do know that there will be people that fulfill that prophecy. 
everything written in scripture will come to pass. It's all prophecy. And when he says many will come before me, that's a prophecy. And I looked at it and I said this to God while I was reading. I said, God, I don't want to be one that fulfills that prophecy. Preached on God TV. Hundreds of thousands of YouTube, thousands of followers, preached all over the country, all this. And God goes, Isaiah Saldivar, yeah, you didn't hear about him, he's great. I have no clue who Isaiah Saldivar is. No, no, no. He preached about you. He shouted about you. He lost like 15 pounds every time he preached, soaking wet. Everybody, why does he have to ask me to put the mic louder? Always wanting it louder, blowing everyone's eardrums out. You don't remember the guy. God goes, he wasn't preaching about me. Maybe he was, but there was no real relationship. See, because you can know about somebody and not know somebody. I have people all the time when I travel, I'm not boasting, like, oh, wow, I'm some cool guy everybody likes. That's not what I'm saying, but I'll be like, oh, so-and-so told me he knows you. I'll be like, who? They'll be like, so-and-so, and and I'll be like, I'm not trying to be rude. I don't know who that guy is. Maybe he knows about me. Maybe he read my Facebook. Maybe he saw YouTube video. Maybe I text them one time. Just because you know all about a person doesn't mean you know a person. And we're telling people all about Jesus but never actually introducing them to the man by the name of Jesus who lives his life through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not just a force. It is a person. And some of you right now are, I know Jesus. Do you really know Jesus? And I'm talking about the power of Jesus. I'm talking about the Word of God. And maybe tonight you need to weep at this altar. Maybe tonight there needs to be a desperation in you how do I know if I truly know Jesus because if I truly know him I'll want everybody else around me to know him Matthew meets this guy gives up everything and says this watch very simple tonight probably one of the simplest messages I've ever preached in my life praise God says this will you come have dinner at my house here's what Matthew is saying I need everybody to know about this God that I met see some of you are undercover Christian agents and here's why I want everyone to close their eyes tonight. I'm not making fun. This is what a lot of evangelists do, and it's unbiblical. I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to raise your hand. Everyone keep their eyes closed. Okay, I want you to repeat after me. Don't open your eyes. Okay, now put your hands down. Everyone open their eyes. And we introduce people to Jesus secretly. Here's how they start their Christianity. I don't want no one to know I'm a Christian. I got to do it with my eyes closed. I don't want no one to see my confession. I don't want no one to see me cry at the altar. I don't want no one to see me witness at the grocery store. And we produce a generation in America that are ashamed of the gospel. But I'm wondering if there's anybody in this house tonight that says, I don't care if my girlfriend's with me. I don't care if my boyfriend's with me. I don't care if my uncle's with me. I don't care if my husband's with me. I need to meet Jesus again. I need the fire and the power of Jesus. Jesus. I need to get this sin out from under my tent. If there's sin in the camp tonight, before this revival even breaks out, we need to get rid of the sin in the camp. Matthew said, I want you to come over and have dinner with all my friends because I want everybody I know to know Jesus. This will be a year where you begin to introduce everyone you know to Jesus, where you say, Jesus is too good for just me to know about him. Jesus is too good to keep this thing a secret but I need to let every person I know know about the God that I'm talking about well you're just a preacher you're supposed to say that wrong for the first year and a half I was preaching I was working at Starbucks and I cannot tell you I'll tell you not a week went by where I wasn't sitting in my boss's office 
Isaiah, I already told you, you can't pray for people out through the drive-thru with your apron on. I already told you, you can't go to people's cars and prophesy and get in their cars. I already told you, you can't be outside 30 minutes over your lunch witnessing to people and praying for the homeless guy we've already kicked out of the I already told you, you can't be bringing your Bible and leaving it open so somebody comes and reads it. I already told you, you can't keep convicting, yelling at everybody behind the You're making lattes and you're preaching. I just, I already told you, you're messing the, and I'm telling you, friend, I did it for a year and a half. I said, God, Every person I meet needs to know about you. Many people say, well, how did God put you on a stage? Because when I put on my apron, I wasn't putting on an apron. I was putting on a three-piece suit to go preach to the three people I worked with. That was my church. And when you're responsible with the little, God says, I'll give you much. And I want a fresh passion for souls. I want a fresh passion to reach the lost. I want a fresh passion to pray for the sick. I want a fresh passion to go after drug addicts. I want to go back to the roots of Victory Outreach and do what we were founded to do. If somebody came and got me out of darkness, then I need to go out there and get them out of darkness. But before they say yes, I have to say yes. Before I expect them to be passionate, would everyone stand to their feet tonight? Before I expect them to be passionate, let me say it this way. Your friends and family will be as passionate about God as you are. If you come to church and we have to beg you to praise and beg you to shout, and I'm not a hypocrite in any way. You have any preacher come to my church, and this is what I love about your pastor. Any, I'm up there while my sister was up preaching for her 10 minutes. I was at the edge of my seat. Every word she was saying, I was going, me, God. Yes, God. I want this, God. Yes. I don't want any sin under my tent. Oh, yes, God. I don't want to be an aching, God. Get any sin out of the camp. And I'm responding, and I'm desperate. I don't need someone up here saying, come on, get excited. Come on. I do it to my team all the time because they need it. I don't want to live my life where I need somebody to get me excited about the God that I'm already in relationship with. This is why I don't understand why people say, why do you always have to preach holiness? You're mad that I'm asking you not to cheat on God? You should already know that I shouldn't be dabbling. You should already know I can't have this compromise. Yet the sad reality is majority of the church will never share their faith with anybody because they've never sold out themselves. You can never sell a product that you don't truly believe in. I'm a salesman. Anything I do, anything I try, whether it's a steamer or a vacuum, I'm weird, I don't care. I'll sell it to everybody. Mario Murillo came to our church and we had a revival and he said, brother, you need to get a steamer. And you know the thing very close? I was like, really? He said, no true evangelist could be an evangelist without a steamer. I went the next day or two days and bought a steamer and I've probably sold 50 steamers for Conair since then. They are paying, I have not got one commission check for all the steamers. You can go to the Walmart in my city. They will be out of steamers because I'm telling everybody, you need to buy a steamer. It will wrinkle out your clothes. Yet I have Jesus, and I'm not sharing him. Guys, we are passionate about our team. Did you see that throw, throw that car made? I love the Raiders as much as the next guy. I'll wear the sweatshirt and go to the game, but here's the reality. I'm not going to sell a team without selling Jesus. I'm not going to spend my time and affection on things that are not of God. And then when it comes to God, I don't mind you shouting at the game. I don't mind you being excited. Just don't be more excited about a bunch of grown men chasing a piece of pigskin than you are the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Don't be more passionate about the things of this world. So here is where we're at tonight. Jesus is at your booth saying, will you get up and follow me? Now you could do what you do every week and you can stay back. You can say, I don't need Jesus. Yes, you do need Jesus. 
Isaiah Saldivar responds to the altar call. Why? Because I need someone to pray for me. Because I need the fire of God. Because I need passion. Because I'm not desperate enough. I'm not hungry. And my greatest fear as an evangelist, as a pastor, as a revivalist, whatever you want to call me, I don't care. I want to be a son and a slave of God. Here is my only fear that Jesus will walk right past me. And I will miss the merry move of God I've been preaching about. And I will miss the very revival I've been singing about and talking about. That's not possible. It is because when he came to the Pharisees, he said, you've been praying for me and believing and I stood there right in front of you and you told me that it was going to rain tomorrow yet you didn't even know I was the son of God. Men that had studied for 400 years the son of God but missed him when he showed up. I don't want to miss God when he shows up for the next three days I'm going to be at every altar I'm going to be on my knees I'm going to be crying out to God saying God started in me God awaken my heart if you're in this house tonight if I could get the house lights down that'd be awesome and you just say Isaiah I want to sign up afresh I want to say yes to God again I want to get him out of my sin I want to get him out of my tax collector booth and I want to go after Jesus what did Jesus say for Peter to Matthew to follow him all he said was this follow me am I going to be blessed I don't know am I going to be healthy I can't tell you is everything going to work out probably not but all you have to say is I'm following you why? When you follow Jesus without getting something from it, you don't walk away when he doesn't give you what you thought you should get. Follow Jesus and he'll bless you. So the moment you're not blessed, you walk away from him. Here's what I tell people. Follow Jesus and there's nothing promised to you besides eternal life. And in fact, your life will get harder and you're probably going to lose some stuff and it's probably going to hurt and it's going to be expensive. I'm not going to undersell it. The Bible says if you're going to choose to follow, well, I'm already Christian. I've already prayed a prayer. I'm not talking about praying a prayer. I'm talking about laying everything down tonight and saying, God, I need to say yes again. I need the fire of God again. If that's you, come out right now. Oh, my heart's pounding. Then that's you. You're the one I'm preaching to. You're the one that needs to be up here. If there's compromise in your life, then I'm preaching to you. If there's complacency in your life, then I'm preaching to you. If there's apathy in your life, then I'm preaching to you. If you need to say yes again, there's no shame in your game. Then come out of your chair and just cry out to God and say, God, let the revival start in me. God will revive Hayward when he revives us. Come on, right now. Come on, I'm going to ask some of the prayer team from Victory Outreach, some of the awakening prayer team, as you feel led, if we can get the lights down. If not, that's, that's fine. If they don't, it's okay. I just want you, as you feel led right now, to begin to pray. I'm not hype. I could tell you an emotional story about someone that just died that I just preached to and all this, but I'm telling you right now, the Bible says that godly sorrow leads to repentance. You have to say, God, I'm tired of my sin, God. I'm tired of being casual about your anointing. I'm tired of playing church. I'm tired of not being excited about your fire. I need your passion. I need your fire. I need your anointing in my life tonight, God. Come on, right now. Come on, let's cry out tonight. This is how revival starts. This is how a move of God starts. I was in Arizona almost two years ago at a very large church. And after I preached, a revival broke out, not from my preaching, but, the, but because of the Spirit of God. We didn't get out till midnight. The pastor asked me to fly back the week after. It's almost been two years, and they're still having revival as I speak right now. I'll be there next month with them. A real move of God broke out in this large church. How did it start? It started with a repentance altar call. 
It started with people crying out, saying, oh, God, we need change in our lives. We need change in our churches. We need change in America, God. There's a reason why they're passionate in Africa, but not passionate in America. Oh, God, the same God of the Bible is with us today. And they begin to cry out, friend, revival starts in, with, through a cry. Revival starts through desperation. Revival starts when you get passionate and hungry and say, I'm not going to miss the move of God. Jesus is walking through this room tonight. And you have to make a decision not to miss him in the house of God. Come on, you can't have somebody else cry out for you. you got to do it yourself. You stand by yourself on judgment day. Nobody stands with you. God, we need you tonight, God. Father, we can't do anything without you, God. We're desperate for you tonight, God. Come on, Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this house. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this house. We need your presence. We need your touch, God, tonight. We need your fire. We need your fire tonight.